Father, we are just thankful for the time together now, for the opportunity we have to open your word, to be challenged by it, to be encouraged by it, as we think about what it means to know you and to love you and how we love the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I'm preaching through uh, the book of 1 John, and we're at chapter 3, and so today we're going to kind of look at chapter 3 and grab your Bibles. We're going to begin with verse 18 and finish it up. And so, you know, living the Christian life is, uh, it requires much more than church attendance, okay? You know, I grew up where it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and you were kind of judged, and you always kind of thought about that. So if you, if you did those things, you were a good Christian. People would think that. And, you know, then, then it became a little later on in the 70s, you learned about more discipleship and more growth, and then you went to college and learned more things about individual Bible study and small groups and and some of those kind of things. So journeys are different for all of us. Each and every one of us have a journey of what God has done in our lives. You know, Sunday school is a great tool that we still use. You know, we don't always use the word teacher anymore. We use mentor because that's what you really are. And it's okay to use the word mentor. Well, what happened to Sunday school teachers? Did we do away with them? No, they're just mentors. What is a mentor? One that teaches. Ah, different words, different ways of saying things to help us understand. So you need to get plugged in. And it's not just for kids. We have several adult groups happening. We have a new adult group happening too. And where are they meeting, by the way? They're going to meet right back here. So if you don't feel like you fit in one of the other classes, and I, I just need to kind of check it out. I'm not sure I know much of anything. I, just, I don't know a lot about the Bible. I just want to kind of hang and, and learn some stuff. There's a class right back there next week starting for you too. I think Josh is teaching that in it, Josh Oswald. So when you begin to think about that, being known as a Christian is to be known as a follower of Christ. As you saw those that were baptized today, uh, they proclaim Christ lives in their heart. And you can see the smiles on their face and the joy and the laughter and the excitement. And knowing that their sins are forgiven, knowing that they're, that they're walking in a new way of life, knowing that they're going to fail. It's, gonna, it's part of a journey, but knowing that, that God is with them no matter what. Christianity isn't merely a an identification with certain deeds or actions. Yeah, that comes along with it. It does, okay. But it's the life we live. It, it's who we are. We cannot be a Christian only at church and be something else elsewhere. When Christ lives in our heart, our, our, we change. Now, it doesn't mean we don't mess up and we don't do things that are wrong, but it does mean that we have an attitude within us that changes. So, you know, as we abide in Christ today, Here's one thing I, I want to ask, I ask myself, and I want to ask you is, how do we live? How do we live? You know, so if I'm processing this passage here in John, in 1 John chapter 3, okay, John, I'm, I'm listening to you, you're writing to me, you're writing to the church, so you're talking to me today, how does this help me in my world and where I live? Well, he gives us some challenges to consider this passage, uh, the truths in this passage are not new. They're simple thoughts that reach profound depths in our lives. We're all called to, we're all <coughs> to be Christ. Uh, he, we're all, we all want to be what Christ desires us to be. We want to be the best we can be. If we're going to do that, then we must live as he lived. So let's consider some of the things about abiding in Christ as it speaks today. Look at the challenge revealed in verses 18 through 20 here as we begin. You know, it really, it's kind of an expression for love in verse 18 when it says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Let us love 
that it's not love in word and talk, but in deed and truth. Well, that's simple enough to understand when I, I break it down in my brain, isn't it? We are challenged not to limit our love to just the words we speak, but we're to show our love in our actions and in what we speak and what we say. Our actions speak much louder than words. Have you ever heard that story? Your actions are speaking louder than your words. I can't hear you because of the way you're acting. And you just have people who say that kind of stuff. Our actions speak louder than words. We can talk of loving those around us, but until we express our love through action, have we really loved? Loving is not easy. Loving is messy sometimes. Loving is hard sometimes. Talk is cheap. We can talk a good talk, but can we walk the walk that Christ has called us to do? You know, the work of love must be done with pure motives. And, you know, some pretend to act out of love, but love's not the motivating force within their life. They're just trying to figure out a way to play the system or scam something. But when you know Christ and He lives in your hearts, we know what it means to love and to walk. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And the same things I just said about love hold well for truth as well. We are to speak the truth in love. One of the hardest things to learn to do is to be gentle and kind in such a way to say, God loves you, and so do I. But you know what you're doing is wrong. You know, according to Scripture, this isn't what you should be doing. Just think about it can be a ways to share with people without ramming a Bible down their throat. Um, each of us has special gifts that are Christians in sharing our faith. You know, I'm a relational evangelist. You know, I can door knock and, and do that stuff because I've had to do that and trained to do that. That is not my style. Some people are gifted at that. Um, it's not my cup of tea. My cup of tea is to make friends with somebody, hang out with them and do stuff, and to share with them watch my example to live and to say what's going on in his life I need to find out about that and to share with him in that way or just to love them and not judge you don't have you got to remember God's a judge you're not be faithful to your truths stand on the mountains you must stand on but remember you're the light that in the Bible that many people that's the only Bible will ever read love in that way but also love is not just about an expression of love here when we are challenges that he reveals to us here. But in verse 19, look at the encouragement in love when he says, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and the reassurance of our heart before him. By this we shall know that we are of, that we are of the truth and the reassurance of our heart before him. You see, genuine love flows freely from the believer in Christ. Every one of those folks that were baptized today, did you not see a radiance within them? Did you? Think about it. Everyone. In fact, every one of us that played in the water up there, so to speak. Was there not a radiance? Because it's a joyous event. Yeah, we tear up a little bit. We almost want to cry. We almost want to, you know, I would have loved to got Clint started talking, but eh, the tears would have come. And I almost teared up with Richie. You made me cry. No. Uh, you know, we think about the experience we've had with people of sharing and caring. That's what John is telling us about. The challenge to love that way. 
Love is a genuine characteristic of Christianity. There's, there's never any love or comparison to show it. it you know, if, if we love one another, it really gives us evidence of the conversion in our, uh, in our heart. Do we love like Christ loved? Lost people can show love, but it, it should be evident in our lives as believers, or all believers as well. You know, we're never more like our Lord than when we express our loves to others. Remember, Jesus says, love your neighbors yourself. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, being your, your entire person. Those are two things you've got to do. The rest of it takes care of itself. Those who belong to Christ naturally possess and show love for others. Look at verse 20 where we see the discretion through love. When it says, for wherever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. By this we shall know that we are the truth and reassurance of our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Ouch. Real love. Love is Christ's loves. It cannot be forced. It cannot be faked. You either possess it through a relationship with Christ or not. You know, at the, at the moment of salvation, when that, that personal relationship begins in Christ, we are filled with peace and wonder, and then we grow in the Christian life. We're all going to fail and miss the mark. Sin. Now, fancy Greek word. That's an archery term. How about the three? We, turn, we call it an English word sin. It means missing the mark. We're not perfect. We never will be this side of heaven. But each of us has found ourselves there when we, we're going along and then the bottom falls out. It does. We've allowed doubt and sin to enter our hearts. And often during those moments, we begin to question. Some even begin to doubt their salvation. And most of us have at times. How could I possibly think and do such things if God really lives in my heart? It's during those moments that our hearts condemn us. What comfort and peace is in this verse. Look at it again. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows everything. It does not encourage us or condone sin. It does not encourage that. That's not what this verse is saying. But it reveals a great truth. Guys, we are not saved in relationship by, with Christ by feeling. It's a fact. It's a truth that comes into us. We're not kept on a basis whether we feel saved or not. You will feel closer to God at times. You'll feel on a mountaintop. And other times you think, where is God in all this? You'll pray at times and you'll feel you've just got a hold of God's coattails and he's right there and you're just talking right to him. And other times you'll think, God, where are you? And other times, as Britton shared, you look up and you see the star and you say, God, that's for me. I don't care, there's a hundred people around and this whole world's out here in this beautiful area you've given us at Grand Oaks. All I see right now is that light knowing that Jesus loves me. Well, those guys, you know, they shared their stories. It can happen for you too. God can become more than a word to you. Your faith can become real in your life when you choose to ask Christ in and to save you. You know, we've allowed doubt and sin to enter our hearts. Even during those moments, we may begin to question, even doubt our salvation. But our heart lets us know that we're not saved by feelings. God is greater than our hearts. God's greater than our hearts. He's greater than our feelings of doubt. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works. For the scripture says, lest any man should boast. 
when our works and our actions don't measure up, we don't lose our salvation, guys. We're not saved by our works. Our salvation was not secured by us earning it and working for it and deserving it. Our salvation is by grace because God loves us and reached out to us where we are as we are. You may not always feel saved, but salvation is the finished work of Christ on the cross. It's freely given, not dependent upon our works or upon our feelings. Mark that verse, remember that verse, because there will come a day that you will come off the mountaintop. You know, church camp's one of those great times you hang out down there and you just feel so cool when you get back. And lo and behold, a lot of times you come crashing off the mountain. But you know God of the mountaintop is the same God that's the God in the valley. The same streams and sands we walk across that God picks us up and carries us is the same God that will put us in those meadows, as Psalms 23 says, that I'll lie down and like a sheep and pasture and drink and be beside the still waters. I'll be quiet, I'll know, I'll feel, I'll be there. That's the same God through all of our journey of life. So remember that. Our challenge is revealed here. But also look at this in verse 21. The confidence that's revealed. Not only the challenge that's revealed, but the confidence is revealed. Looking at verse 21 here. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. John has spoken of times when we doubted, and, and he speaks times now of great assurance that we enjoy in Christ. You know, at times, we all struggle. I've struggled when I was younger about, God, am I really saved? And I can tell you, I was at church camp when I was 13 years old, and I was struggling with all that, sitting on the back row with my arm around a girl, which I wasn't supposed to, you know, those rules back then, back in the ancient days, we still had those rules. And God spoke to my heart and said, why are you doubting? Don't you remember the thunderstorm and the lightning bolt and thunder hit behind us? And it was like a light switched in my head. Oh, I remember. The spiritual anchor points that I have in my life, that you have in your life, that when times get tough and you feel like you're tossed about by the wind, grab hold of that anchor point and say, God, you were there for me here. You're there for me now. What comfort and peace comes from all that. You know, God has spoken words when we have doubted. All believers need to get to the place where our faith and trust solely to rely upon the Lord. It's in Christ alone we are secured. He's, that's what secured our salvation, and we completely rest in Him. You know, God's desire is that we enjoy the confidence in Him. That's not arrogance. Don't misunderstand that. It's assurance through Christ. It's not arrogance to say, yes, I'm saved. I will be saved, and I am saved, and I will, no matter what I do, I will be saved. That's not arrogance. That's assurance. If we constantly live in doubt of our salvation, in essence, we just live in defeat. We worry about doing the next thing that will just mess it up. But a defeated Christian will not be diligent in their work and will lack confidence in sharing their faith. It's possible to, uh, to rise above this and enjoy the freedom in Christ. That's our assurance that we see there. But look at the appeal in verse 22. And whatever we ask from him, because we keep his commandments, and, what, and do what pleases him. John also reveals a great confidence here that believers have in our prayer requests. Now, he's not implying that we ask for anything and we expect God to grant it. God, give me that nice Mercedes that I like. Give me that fancy convertible. Give me this. No, that's not what he's talking about. We can come with complete assurance that he will hear our prayers according to his will. 
when we are praying from our heart and our desires to follow him and our desires are in line with him, he's not encouraging us, health and wealth, thing you hear, the name it, claim it, prosperity doctrines are so prevalent today. That's not, they're misusing scripture, guys. You know, we simply come to rely on the Father to meet our needs and to honor him with our petitions and where we are. As Luke 11, 9 and 10 says it this way, and I tell you, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you, knock, or seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you, for whoever asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus says it's our responsibility to ask, to seek, and to knock. Okay, God, you've got to do this. God is not a credit card thing. You punch and say, okay, I put my money in, kick it back out to me. Amanda, when she was little, I guess I think we lived in Jeff City, and she wanted ice cream, and I said, I don't have any money for ice cream. I, I, I left my billfold at home or didn't have any cash with me. I said, well, you got that credit card thing. You just put it in the machine. It gives you money. Had no concept that you got to have money in the bank to put the card in to get it back, right? Well, we had money in the bank, but not for ice cream back in those days. Think about those kinds of things of where we are with that. God will give us what we need. And look at the allegiance of verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Don't miss the heart of the truth here. Many prayers go unanswered because they're offered from a heart that's polluted by sin. A heart that is <laughs> twisted around and, and, and so messed up because we're trying to hang out in both worlds instead of hanging out with this God. It's like Jesus says, you can, how can a salt lose its savor? It's good for nothing if it's chunked out. Jesus tells them, you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth. That salt that loses its saltiness, that's polluted salt. It doesn't work for what it was intended to do. He talks to us as Christians the same way. We have to have a pure heart when we come to pray for him to answer our prayers. We cannot expect to live as we please, totally ignoring the will of God for our life, and expect him to answer our prayer. If we desire to receive the Lord's blessing, we must humble ourselves before him, walk according to his ways. You know, eternal security is a great thing, but it is not a license to sin. It's not a license to go do what you want to do. If we expect to be victorious in life, and we must be bold in prayer, we must keep our lives pure before the Lord. And here's the final thought this morning. Look at the commandment required in verses 23 and 24 as we close out. If we expect to possess Christ-like love and enjoy the power of prayer, here are characteristics that must be present in our life. You're going to respond in faith. Look at the first part of verse 23. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. Faith in Christ is the beginning. It's the foundation for all that follows. We cannot expect to enjoy any of the benefits of God without a relationship with Christ. Folks today wonder why God seems so distant in their lives and why their lives seem such a mess, and yet they've never come to the place where God has become more than a word to them. They've never come to the place where they've asked Christ to save them. They've never come to the place to have that born-again, salvation, churchy words, whatever you want to say, or a relationship with Christ. They've never come to that place. They just assume you do A, B, and C, and it happens. That's not how it works. It's not a magic formula. It's not a little prayer, and you do this, you do that, and boom, poof. It's about a relationship, humbling yourself before God, accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
This is the commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. We cannot expect to receive the Lord's blessings if we don't. Look at look how we react in love, the tail end of verse 23. And love one another as He gave us commandment. You start with Jesus and then you love one another. We are reminded and encouraged to love one another. We never outgrow the need to love one another. You know, we outgrow some of the stuff we do. You know, listen, with Luke, I was teasing him about getting his egg crate cart, you know, for the bed. If you ever had to sleep on those beds, you know. But when you're a kid, you don't care. You may throw two mattresses on it. You don't care that the springs, they actually got new beds now, but the old days, the springs would hang down. You'd get in one where your bottom would just kind of hang down. You'd bounce around. The person up would put their feet and kick you up and try to hit you to see them at camp. Those were just some of the fun things you would do. All right? Some of you guys have been there. I remember those. When you get a little older, it's like, I really want to sleep. I don't want to sleep with my body contorted, worrying about I'm going to fall through this, or that, ugh, you know? We grow older. We get a little smarter. We figure things out. But guys, we never outgrow the need to love others in our Christian walk. Remember that. We, need to reach, we never reach a point in our spirituality where love is non-essential. As we mature in the Lord and our love for Him, and others should grow, we are expected to react in love as Christ did. When we consider His great love, we see much room for improvement in our own life. Then in verse 24, He tells us basically to remain obedient. For whoever keeps His commandments abides in God, and God in Him. Just as our faith and love must endure, so must our obedience to His commandments. We are saved by grace and escape the condemnation of the law. Yes, but we still are expected to live according to the Word of God. We're saved by grace, but we are expected to live according to God's Word. If we truly enjoy the fellowship of Christ and the abundant life that He has promised, we must be submissive to His will for our lives and submit to His authority in our life and to walk with Him. Because then we can rest in grace. Look at the tail end of verse 24. And by this, we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. Whoever keeps His commandment abides in God and God in Him. And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom God has given. Fear and doubt are not of God, but of the evil one. God does not, doesn't really desire believers to live their Christian lives wondering about their salvation and what's next. He wants us to enjoy complete victory and liberty and freedom through Christ. We're indwelled with the Spirit and can have absolute confidence in our salvation and our eternal destiny. We can know. This whole book's about knowing we can know. I know, I know, I know God loves me. I know, I know, I know I'm related to Him. I know, I know, I know I'm saved in His grace. If you're saved, stop worrying and start resting in His abundant grace. We all could love others more than we do. You betcha. We all could have more concern for the spiritual condition of others. You betcha. We all can, will fail and come short at times. You betcha. We all need to continue to grow in Christ. You betcha. There are likely some here today maybe that are continuing to struggle with the assurance of your salvation. And I hope maybe you'll listen to some of this stuff in the, in the Scripture here and let it speak to your heart and let God do His thing. Now it's possible to get that settled to enjoy victory. And that's what the Lord desires for us. He doesn't want us living your Christian life and, and continually worried about our salvation. He wants us to live in victory. Today, maybe, you're securing your salvation, your relationship to Christ, and, and you're on a growth path, and you say, 
hey, Glenn, things are cool right now. Maybe you struggle with the feelings of doubt and freedom in Christ in your own life. Maybe there was never a moment you can say, gosh, Glenn, I, I never have trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior. Maybe today the Holy Spirit's dealing with you with some other need in your heart. He wants you to respond in faith. My friends, Christ stands ready to meet you where you are and whatever needs you have. Let's pray. Father God, as we close our service today, as we sing our final song, will you encourage us, strengthen, and guide us, direct our lives that we may be what you intend for us to be. In this time as we sing, we ask that you would help us look at our lives and to see if we are truly following you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so our